Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss local political hot topics in the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on May 23rd, 2023. So let's get into it. Hello, Tim. Hello. All right. It's, it's been, been... Yeah, it's been a while. It's, a it's minute. Been, it's been a minute. And, a week. Uh, a week or so. Yeah. I, um, I was on Maui, and it was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was, <laughs> I was only getting the summer rain of Nevada. Oh, yeah. I heard it hailed. Welcome to summer in Nevada. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I'm not surprised. Like, yeah, well. I was seeing some like, oh, it hailed at the Aces game. It wasn't good. And I'm like, well, it hailed in Nevada. Like, put a hat on. It's fine. <laughs> I was more concerned anything. about my car that was just parked outside at the airport. In, well, and, that, in the parking and lot. that's the other thing. Every time it hails, I've I've never heard of reports of like massive damage to vehicles in Nevada. Yeah, I've heard of like the fair. softball size ones mm-hmm. in Texas and stuff, but in Nevada they're always so pea size and it's like, oh, it it hurts a little bit, but even the even the outdoor animals are like, oh, it's <laughs> hailing. Okay. Like Look, you just never know, and you're I not, just, you know, <laughs> you're not having uh, livestock keel over because they're getting struck in the head with hail. You know, it's <laughs> that's so fair, it's, that's it's fair. like, uh, <laughs> All right. oh, it's gonna hurt a little complaining bit. Complaining too much. Yeah. Okay, so here's <laughs> what we're gonna cover today. So we do have a rehash segment on a couple of items that we're gonna quickly review. Some things that have come up, or I should say, come back up. And then our main topic is going to be all about water, and we're really going to break that down and spend some time digging into that, and then we'll wrap it up with our Broke Our Brain segment. So first, we're going to jump into rehash, and the section that I wanted to be sure to bring up was some gun control legislation that the RGJ reported on on the 17th, there were three bills on gun control legislation that were sent up to the governor. One bill would have raised the eligible age to possess semi-automatic shotguns and assault weapons from 18 to 21. Makes sense. Yeah. Another would have barred possession of a gun within 100 yards of an election site entrance with narrow exceptions. Makes sense. While also solidifying language meant to ban homemade ghost guns. Right. We talked about that. A third bill would have prohibited owning a firearm within a decade of a gross misdemeanor or felony hate crime conviction. And yeah. I I am not a lawyer, but I thought (laughs) convicted felons couldn't own firearms anyway from all of my watching of cop shows so i mean like maybe this would apply to like the misdemeanor hate crimes but like if it's a, a gross fa- i'm like what what huh? mm-hmm. I, it, I don't know i'm not a lawyer <laughs> so this is not our, legal advice <laughs> our governor mr sheriff lombardo said mr I, governor sheriff <laughs> sir <laughs> mr governor sheriff He said, I will not support legislation that infringes on the constitutional rights of Nevadans. And he vetoed his first set of bills with all three um, on the 17th, or at least that's when it was reported. So, 
Yeah. I don't know if we fully anticipated those getting all the way through. I think this does set a precedence for what to expect moving forward on a lot of these bills that we're kind of like, wonder what's going to happen when it gets to his desk. I I think this kind of set a tone. I have no idea where they stand as far as an ability to override the veto just based on seats. So that would be something worth looking into. They're one seat away in the Senate, so they just have to. There has to for Need a the Democrat. Yeah, for the Democratic majority, mm-hmm. uh, they already have the supermajority within the Assembly, so they need it within the Senate, and they just need to flip one Republican in the Senate. I believe we've talked about this in mm-hmm. a far, far away episode, maybe episode one or three. Yeah, I think it was actually two or three. Essentially, where there might have been a reason why a certain chief of staff was selected because they were a former senator and they'll have more pull in the Senate to Mm. be able to maybe control that caucus. Maybe not. I mean, there have been some, I've, I've attended some talks where, you know, some senators have been called very progressive and we asked the senators names and they're said, and we were (laughs) like, wait, what, who, (laughs) (laughs) you're saying what now? And they're like, yeah, we were surprised too, but they seem Mm. pretty on board. it's like, okay, so I'm not, I'm not going to name them, but there, there might be the votes that exist. Maybe not on this legislation, but on other legislation, it might not be the same name. It might be different names, but all they got to do is pull one. Yeah. And I believe uh, another bill that's sitting at his desk is the one to codify reproductive health care rights um, into our constitution, our state constitution, and he hasn't said or done anything with that yet. I This is me being the political savvy person that I am, but I strategize <laughs> that he will pocket veto that bill so that it appears on the agenda of the next legislative session under the hopes that they're flipping one or both of the houses so that they can just kill the bill and not have to deal with it again. Cause they don't want to well, actually veto it and say, Oh no, we don't support this, mm-hmm. but they don't want to just let it die. Have to pass it. So, well, this is how they let it die. Yeah. By just the, ignoring it. The, he has to ignore it for this session. So he essentially would do a presidential pocket veto, but it doesn't operate that way in this state. Because if you don't veto or address the bill by the end of the session or a certain deadline after the session, it immediately becomes on the docket for the following session. Mm. So it Which will technically, go on the docket. in order to be codified, it has to go through two legislative sessions anyway. Yeah, so I, it I, would I, have to be a, approved past this session and next session before it, it can yeah, actually it, be... If it hasn't been already, which yeah. I don't know where it's at in this process. I think it's probably only on the first one. So yeah, we would need is, to see it. Yeah, we'd need to see it two times. And, you know, even if they do, if he put, does a pocket veto this time, it's like, okay, well, then it has to pass two more times after that. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of the problems are coming up is just this partisan politics. No one wants to work with the other side. There isn't a compromise. There isn't a willingness to say, okay, you get this, I get this. There's no bargaining. It's just a, it's a zero sum game on both sides and it's not helping progress. Nope. So we'll see where it all lands. Tim, you had some rehashing to do. Well, and it's kind of a perfect little, just segue into we've got an upcoming deadline coming up mm-hmm. you know we're 13 days until the next special session aka <laughs> till the end of this session so we've got 13 days until the next special session 
just I think the more important rehash when we get to some of these deadlines are some of the possible delays that may or may not have occurred within our overall legislature to get things done. We've got, you know, this impending deadline that will cause a lot of things. Uh, congratulations to Nicole Canizaro. She had a, a, a child. I don't know. A son. The, Okay, I didn't. I didn't know which was. So she yes. had a. She had her a small second. Tri- yeah. a, her second child. Oh, second child! Congratulations! Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, that will definitely add some delays. Not only into the fact of she, she had a child, but the child going around will definitely cause some de- just in the moment delays. And you know, we're in a legislative session, and politics is constantly going, and it will just lead to some eight to nine p.m. nights, and it will be fun for them. But hey, yeah. she she had a child. Uh, you know, there, what a beast! There was, She's planning on returning yeah, yeah. within days. I read. Yeah, uh, no, she, good on her. Uh, at the same time, <laughs> it's in my opinion, the big reason why I'm doing this rehash is there's a reason why we need a longer senatorial, like we need a longer session. Yes. Uh, it it this isn't the first time I mention it this episode because I'll be bringing it up again because I had some <laughs> interesting conversations around this, but. Mm-hmm. We have to do something to address this. And it's not just addressing the length of the legislative session. Session short, we've got 13 days left. That's pretty much my rehash. All right. We've got, a, we've got another deadline. And then, the you know, in three days, we've got our second house passage deadline. Mm-hmm. And then not only, but, oh gosh, I hate doing math. Ten days after that, it's over. <laughs> we, you know, things are ticking down. <laughs> They sure, yeah. they sure are. They sure are. I'm going to ramble, so I'm, okay. I'll Water. continue on later. <laughs> All right, so there... It's a good reminder. I need to drink some. <laughs> so, water. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And what inspired this topic of conversation was yesterday... The New York Times reported a breakthrough deal to keep the Colorado River from going dry for now uh, was posted. And ultimately, you know, we've we've talked about this before on the pod. We basically have the Colorado River feeding water to I want to say it's six states. And, you know, they have two basins. They have a, a northern basin and a southern basin. And. The Southern Basin feeds Nevada, California, and Arizona. And, you know, we've that actually goes into two separate lakes. So we have Lake Mead and Lake Powell. And both are hydropowered. Is that how you would say it? And so they also provide power as well. The The way that it works is as they in- they the provide water, important power. That's right. As water is coming in, they actually uh, create power for residential use and the electricity generated by dams on the river's two main reservoirs, Lake Mead and Lake Powell, powers millions of homes and businesses. And something that I'll at least add in here, because a friend would be remiss if I don't, it's not that... Lake Mead offers all of the power, but mm-hmm. Lake Mead is, and specifically Hoover Dam is critical for offering base power or at least getting 
the grid close to base power in a lot of areas that it it feeds in California, in Arizona, not even in Nevada specifically, but in the power grids that it supports, Mm -hmm. it provides what we call base power, which is the amount of power that the grid just needs to function. Sure. Not even like that we're drawing on the grid or that excess use or, you know, what households might be using. But this is power like for streetlights and for government buildings and for the things that, you know, for utilities, for the mm-hmm. things that we can't turn off that we need power for. So this is providing a, a base power. I don't know how much of the base power it's providing. Yeah. But that's, ha- the, that's the number that these dams contribute to. Is yeah. That like, Again, it says millions of homes yeah. it yeah, provides the for. Load. They, they help do that. Yeah. So that's one aspect of why we're talking about this. But the biggest part, obviously, this matters to Nevadans because... Nevada is the driest state of all of the United States, and we've been in the state of drought for more than 20 years now. And while most cities and towns of northern Nevada, we receive our water from the Truckee River, from Lake Tahoe snowmelt and runoff, we may not be as impacted by this issue. However, as Tim's favorite place, my my home base where I was birthed at Las Vegas in Clark County, uh, it has a population of 2.4 million. So all of Nevada is at 3.25 million. So ultimately, Clark County is 75% of the state's population. Okay, Washoe County, it's another 500,000, basically half a million. But... I think this is important to bring up. We cannot forget about the 38 million people that visited Las Vegas just last year. Okay, so two thirds of Nevada receives its water from the Colorado River runoff. Okay, that feeds into Lake Mead, which, as most of us have heard, is drying up to dangerous levels Again, to where those pumps could lose functionality due to the low levels. I guess if it gets below like 1,000 feet or something like that, it actually will not function appropriately. And 90% of uh, the Las Vegas gets their water from Lake Mead, from the Colorado River runoff. So it is a significant amount And the river drying up and this bill now saying, hey, we got to cut back on usage. This will impact us. Yeah, because I I just wanted to make sure that we kind of we hit on the fact of Nevada is in a drought by average, not necessarily by the entire part. Because if you were to talk to any water official in the northern part of the state right now, they're running in a surplus and they're running at a mm-hmm. dangerous surplus, which is why they've already started to release lake fronts. They're already starting to drain out some of their reservoirs because yeah, we have flood they warnings. have a, sur- yeah, they have a <laughs> flood warning. They have a surplus of water and that's because ours comes from Tahoe, Truckee yep. drains down. And that's where a lot of rural Nevada and those areas are getting their water. A lot of those water rights come in all of that. So we have almost a surplus of water that, you know, our state's trying to get rid of up here. We've got, uh, you know, the water rights being claimed. People are being able to irrigate for free up here. They're giving free 
agricultural irrigation, which is huge because it's like, oh, if you got the rights, you can just open your gates. Like, you don't even have to worry about it. It's like, okay. I don't fully understand that, but from what my grandma was saying, she was like, yeah, we got to just water for free. And I'm like, well, I know you're, she owns the rights for like half of her block or something. It's oh, how wow. it works. It's it, because she, because of how the family used to own the farm, they had a huge amount of the property sold off the property, but never sold off the right, the water rights. Mm. I don't fully understand. I'm not the farm boy, but <laughs> it's, they, they have to f- water their yard. Plus they're in charge of some other one. Uh, you know, what's interesting about some of the allotment of the, the current breakdown. So if we were just to stick with these three States that we mentioned, Nevada, Arizona and California, because uh, those are the only three yep. who agreed to cutting their usage. We, Nevada, again, we have the smallest population of the three states. And so we have the the smallest allot- allotment. Right now it's at 4% of the, the river water coming to us. Arizona is 37% allotment in California, obviously they're the most populous state in America. They are sitting at 58% of the allotment. Some of that probably comes back to the fact of we're only in a drought by average and Las Vegas has some of the best water retention and recycling systems in the nation because they live in a drought oasis. Not even mm-hmm. an oasis. It's not like a fun little, oh, yeah, you get your, you know, your cocktails and umbrella. It's the Sahara oasis where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you're, you're in a nice little, like, shack in the middle of the desert. And, like, yeah, you might and have you know some it. water. But, yeah, you know it. <laughs> like, that's where you're at. So you're going to be smart about it. So they're, they're very smart. They've got a lot of that mm-hmm. recycling, a lot of the water that they pull out of Lake Mead. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of restrictions and regulations to get it right back into Lake Mead. Yeah. That was some of their lawn regi- requirements. That's why they have, they, they're able to buy lawns out in Vegas. And they have one of the only successful lawn buyout programs in the nation mm-hmm. because the, co- the government was able to go in and say, well, yeah, we'll, we'll buy your lawn out and just you know, replace it with rock, we'll buy your lawn and it will save even more water. And like, I don't know how they did it, but it was successful down there because all their water is recycled. So it was easier of like, yeah, we, you save a ton of money if we just buy your lawn. All right. I don't know. <laughs> Let me buy I, your grass. I, yeah. Um. I, it was one of those things where like Truckee, <laughs> Truckee Meadows Water Authority was talking about it and they were saying they have the best Law, like they have the only successful law and buyback program in the nation. We explored it up here and it's not a successful program for us to institute. But down there, it was, you know, hands yeah, down the only thing that works. Yeah, likely because we're just not as dire up here. And so, like you said, I want to hit on a couple of yeah. these things. So Nevada has been the leader of water conservation in the Western states for as far back as we can remember at this point. CNN, they actually did a really great article on how Nevada is already, you know, been living in this realm of water conservation. They did this article last September in 2022. And a couple of things that they mentioned is that we have intentionally limited the size of our swimming pools, reclaiming all indoor water for reuse. You hit on that. 
upkeeping the Vegas Strip water savvy, that's a really, really big deal. Like, obviously, you know, you have the Bellagio Fountains in the middle of the desert. It's 117 degrees out there, and they're running these fountains. All of that is reclaimed water. Tearing out non-functional grass, which is what you alluded to. I do know that uh, as somebody who's purchased a home in Las Vegas in the last 10 years, you can't even buy a brand new home with grass in it. It, it does not come with it. You would have to put that in yourself and, and get approval. There are very strict irrigation schedules year round. Like I think right now, you know, we can only water three days a week. They actually identify and go after water wasters. And uh, I can actually attest to this because we had a flood issue on one of our sprinklers in the front yard and a water person straight up rang my doorbell hey, and they, left us they, a nasty gram. They do that up here too. <laughs> yes, own, that was here. That was yeah. in Reno. I know it was in Reno because <laughs> as a as a tenant, not even the actual like controller of the water spigots, but as a tenant, they like came and complained to me and I was like, I'll pass it up to my <laughs> landlord, but right. like that ain't me, boss. Yeah. Yeah. I don't you want. And the guy was still like, well, you need to fix it. And I was like, I can't. You don't get it. It's not me. Like, I'll pass up the message, but you're talking to the wrong people. Knock on the door again, and you're never going to get the right one. I promise you. <laughs> yeah. So they'll come for you, Nevada. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and then they just hinted at taking advantage of Mother Nature, right? So when we do get a lot of water, how can we continue to find ways to conserve it? They listed Southern Nevada average residential usage is about 130,000 gallons a year. Uh, and as I already said, Nevada currently has the smallest allocation of the Colorado River water at 4%. Uh, there was this really great quote from the Deputy General Manager of Resources for the Southern Nevada Water Authority. He said, the stark reality of our current situation is what we are marking as the driest 23 years of the last 100 may very well be the wettest 23 years of the next 100. Yep. And that, if that's the case, we have to continue to figure this out. So real quick, I want to go back to the three states that we've been talking about, right? So Nevada, Arizona, California. And then uh, I want to highlight how the other states have been using some of their water uh, in ways that, probably could lend to much better um, conservation than what they've been contributing. Arizona, like I said, they get 37% of the Colorado River water apportionment. They have a population of seven and a half million, so they're basically twice the size of us. Again, we're using 4%. They're using 37%. We are the driest state in the United States. So keep all that yeah, in mind. Yeah, it's because they got 37% of the water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course we're dry. We only get 4%, like, and we got to reclaim it? Like, come on, we're we're taking it and then we're putting it immediately back, and they're just hogging 37%. Of course, we're the driest. They get all the water. Yeah, so there was, there was this article that was posted. I gotta, are the, is there a water park that exists in Vegas? There used to be, well... There is a much smaller one now. When I was a child, there was one. It was wet and wild, and it was freaking awesome. Um, but it, it doesn't exist anymore. It's a sad thing. Okay, wait, but PBS, yeah, they, they posted an article 
uh, recently on Arizona and how they were using their water for agriculture. And so an important note is that agriculture is the single largest use of the river's water in the Southwest, okay, for both California and Arizona. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in a hot take there. Okay. okay. Yeah. As a, a longtime Nevada resident, it's also probably one of the largest water wasters. Let me explain. When you look at the efficiency of a lot of the water delivery devices that are being used in modern agriculture, Mm -hmm. they're using technology that is at least 20 or 30 years old. Mm -hmm. It is not very efficient. It is not very good for water distribution. There would be more efficient technology that could be easily developed and done to distribute the water on the same crops in the same area and save cubic meters of water. Mm -hmm. But... Our farmers are probably some of the most underpaid people in the damn country. Farmer subsidies is is low. We, yes, that's, that's a fact. You're not they're wrong. Not, like <laughs> you're not paid enough. <laughs> so to get them to then, hey, you have to improve your water infrastructure. This goes more into my broke my brain, but like we got to do more there. But they are probably one of the largest water wasters as well. I yes. digress. No, so you're right. And so when we talk about agriculture, there was recently some reporting on Arizona and they were found to have farmers cultivating uh, agriculture. I think it was alfalfa sprouts for Saudi Arabia. They were using um, endless amounts of groundwater that they were using for these farms. Well, it's and not like alfalfa is a pretty uh, dry crop. If anyone knows how to grow alfalfa, being an old, being my family, being from Churchill, I kind of know what alfalfa farming looks like, and it's a think rice. <laughs> so the reason that Arizona is growing alfalfa for Saudi Arabia is because it's illegal to grow alfalfa in Saudi Arabia, and so we have. Arizona using agriculture for international exports. And that's something that is going to be very important to keep in mind as we talk about agriculture being the single largest use of the river's water, right? There's probably also some like tax reasons why they do it in Arizona, not Nevada, because I've never looked into it, but I know that there is a specific tax reason why U-Haul Every single U-Haul truck is registered in Arizona. Interesting. And it's, it's for, from what I understand, and I haven't looked into it, but it's for specific tax reasons. Arizona has some very loose and weird business tax laws. So there's probably also some advantages. Because when you're talking about alfalfa, my first thought is Nevada. Because that's <laughs> one of our largest crops, at least in some of rural parts of Nevada. Not because, oh, we're selling it to Saudi Arabia. Because it's the only thing that grows out there. Yes, in we the can't desert. grow much else. <laughs> so we only grow alfalfa because it's the only thing that we can cultivate in this dang state. Yep, in the desert. So, uh, yeah, it, that's where I'm like, oh, why isn't it in Nevada? But if it's in Arizona, it's probably because of some tax haven crud or whatever i haven't looked yeah. into but apparently it's using a ton of water like there is no cap there's no cap on it and so um you know as Again, we're t- think rice <laughs> so we're talking about you know running out of the the most essential resource on the planet we should probably start 
you know, thinking a little bit more protectionist, I dare say, you know. Uh, okay. Well, and something <laughs> to consider of the three states that are agreed to curb their water use. We have a Democratic governor from California and a Democratic governor from Arizona. Yeah. We no. don't have one here. Yeah, It's I kind know. of a problem. Well, you said agreement. So here's the, here's the deal. Okay, this is the deal. Under the agreement, the three states, California, Arizona, and Nevada, will take less water from the drought-stricken river in exchange for federal funding for cities, tribes, and water districts. So this is a temporary solution until renegotiation that's scheduled for 2026. Um, the, the New York Times did really... Be there. <laughs> yeah. The New York I'm, Times like, did... I'm just pointing out, our governor's still in office in 26. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. He won't get voted out at least until November of 26, so... They would have to hold it in December for him to really not care. Uh-huh. And they huh. won't, I'd yeah. hope. So I, who knows? Yeah, no, I don't think it's something we can... Well, and look, we're doing things about it now, which is what's cool. So here's the breakdown, okay, of the agreement. The agreement announced on Monday, yesterday, calls for the federal government to pay about $1.2 billion to irrigation districts, cities, and Native American tribes in the three states if they temporarily use less water. The states have also agreed to make additional cuts beyond the ones tied to the federal payments to generate the total reductions needed to prevent the collapse of the river. Taken together... Those reductions would amount to about 13% of the total water use in the lower Colorado Basin, among the most aggressive ever experienced in the region, and likely to require significant water restrictions for residential and agricultural use. The Colorado... So, Go ahead. I, I could be wrong on this, but was the was the $1.2 million prior allocated and it was billion, but it was waiting for this agreement to actually get spent or has it only been, it's coming from the IRA. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. So mm -hmm. I thought it was already yeah, the inflation like pre, reduction act. okay. So it was pre allocated and yes. we're now getting to the point where the States are working with the government to figure out how to spend it. I just wanted to, it's not like, Oh, these grants are coming from this agreement. No, they were already, they were there and we're now getting around to allocating them. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. You know, some of the funding would be allocated for residents to transfer from septic tanks to a sewer system uh, for more efficiency of, of reclaiming water. Uh, some residents have expressed that they feel this is too much of a financial burden. I scrolled through, and we'll get into this in a bit, um, the bill AB 220, and they're not asking for that to be done until like 2054 or something like that. So uh, as far as residents moving over from septic knowing, tanks. Knowing <laughs> that it's that type of timeline, I, I'd have to double look into this. But from my understanding of like research into septic tanks, tanks, because I used to live on one, they have a lifespan of about as long as 30 years or more. Wow. Like it, mm -hmm. it's about that time frame. So even if you were to pass it now, most septic tanks, unless they're being stalled today, are probably going to be hitting around a replacement time 
in that 50 years or so. That makes so, sense. Or in that 2050. So it wouldn't even be like, oh, you have to pay all this construction to get off of it. It would be, oh, instead of paying the fee to replace it and like get the new septic in and dig all that, you'd be just paying to do the digging to remove the septic and get you onto mm-hmm. the sewer system. So mm-hmm. it's not... It's not an additional inconvenience. It would most, and I haven't read the bill, but I would see there's probably some language about, oh, it would be in a time of convenience or a time of like maintenance instead of upkeep, you're replacing. Like something like that. It'd be, I don't know, but that would be, that would make sense, especially with that timeline. Mm. So it's one of those where even if they were to pass it today and someone had to replace their septic tank today, they could use that new septic tank until it needed to be replaced again. And then get money. when they needed to look at it, they could, oh, now I got to get on the sewers. That's, that's what I was thinking. I, cool. No, that, I think that's helpful. Uh, and so when we talk about what exactly is this going to mean for Nevadans, it was interesting reading through the agreement uh, that the, uh, all of the heads put out for this particular plan because it's not fully a plan yet. It's essentially just an agreement. Um, They still have to put together a plan of implementation, but what they've ultimately committed to is to conserve at least an additional 3 million acre feet, and that's MAF, of Colorado River water in the lower basin by the end of calendar year 2026, with at least 1.5 MAF of that total being conserved by the end of calendar year 2024. So this is their lower basin plan. So when we talk about how Nevada is going to accomplish this goal, it was interesting. <laughs> the line in the agreement said, the lower basin plan does not require any unilateral exercise of federal authority to achieve these levels of conservation. So it seemed like, we'll take your federal money. We will accomplish the goal of conservation. Please don't give us oversight is what it sounded like. Yeah, yeah that's, that's at least how I would think of that. But um <laughs> Like when we're talking, say we're able to do this massive cut, what does it look like to your average water user? What does it look like to the average person? And I can already tell you that there will be some grumblings amongst the farmers because Mm -hmm. they won't be getting as much water or they'll only get their irrigation rights. They won't get beyond their irrigation rights. So there will be some grumblings like there were last year or the year before where they're going to the government and they're saying, hey, give us the water. And the government's like, well, we don't got the water to give you. Sorry. Uh, and there might be some grumblings of that with the farming mm-hmm. industry, but to the average person, other than some watering rules of when they might be able to water their lawns, some more stricter time frames or days where that that's possible. The average consumer is probably not going to see too much of a difference. It's going to be the world around them that we see changing. Yes. City governments will be pulling out lawns that might not be needed around walking paths and replacing those with, mm-hmm. you know, different terraria instead of actual watering lawns. We'll golf see golf courses. Go- Sorry, mm-hmm. Dad. I know you Uh, love to golf, but uh, probably not in Nevada anymore. (laughs) That's actually, as a former politician, however, however much sense that makes, that is the hardest argument that we will have to make. Mm. Not only because golf courses are such a large money producer Mm -hmm. within this country, Mm -hmm. but I was having this argument with my father who does not golf. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he is a logical man, and mm-hmm. he pointed something out that killed me, and I'm like, shit, you're not wrong. What? Because I was arguing for AstroTurf on football fields because fields are moving away from AstroTurf and they're going back to planted lawn turf. Mm. And his point was, well, AstroTurf gets hotter and causes more injuries because it's not as soft on the skin. It scrapes like sandpaper. It doesn't scrape like like fresh grass on athletes and on their skin. For sure. That does also apply to golf. When you talk Mm -hmm. about replacing AstroTurf on golf, golf courses you're not just talking about golf courses you're talking replacing grass with astroturf in sports yeah and you're talking against every sports person so although i would 100 agree with you and i think yes we do need to be moving towards that that's going to be a very very hard uphill battle mm-hmm. because they're they're some of the largest water users in the vegas valley but they're also they some of the largest political contributors <laughs> I know, but they're looking at it. I, I read some cash. I, I wish I had my source here, but I actually read that um, they to, are going to be cutting down on golf courses. To add some humor into it, the reason why <laughs> is because most of the golf courses are being run by probably ex mobsters, and they don't want their buddies, you know, <laughs> former bodies being found in the lake. So they got to do everything they can <laughs> to conserve. All right. There's a reason why casinos and golf courses are leading the efforts here, and it's because they don't want their dirty laundry to be dug up. Yeah. That's a fun little aside. I don't think that's actually true. Okay. But I have a fun a f- one too yeah. that I was thinking through, right? Is okay. How do we continue to? To conserve. Something that came up, well, yes, Nevada is already restricting the size of pools, so there's no mega pools being built anymore. We do have community pools. And so I, I live in a community that does have, have a community less, pool. We're having yeah. less and less. Let's remember Which, that. that. That yeah. That is that's a major fine. problem for Reno. We don't have co- enough community pools for all of our. But that's like, not my point yet. Thing. My no. point is, I. I don't think I can count on fingers and toes how many times in the course of one summer that a kid poops in the pool and they have to drain it and refill the damn pool. Like, there needs to be something done there because that is a huge waste every time they have to drain a community pool and refill it. That was just something I thought about. (laughs) Um Okay, here's my aside, and, like, I don't know if this is... <laughs> Keep the gonna, kids in a kiddie pool. Just No, no, no I'm a just going to throw one. this out there. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, the Douglas County community pool was not only just used by the community, mm-hmm. but it was the pool that was used by the swim team because the swim mm-hmm. team didn't have a pool. Like, mm-hmm. it is the pool for that entire county. There isn't another one. It's just that pool. That maybe had to get drained because of a biohazard, like once or twice a summer like it, it was a rarity down there well, like yeah, yeah. no that's what i'm saying older. that's it that Dude. and i'm like i don't are you like this is, is not it, my first community pool i've had like, it's a I, thing I, th- I think that like well and that's the thing the community pool down there it didn't happen to or like maybe it happened in the kitty pool more but like maybe they were better at i don't know <laughs> like maybe they didn't advertise as much maybe they, they did the draining at night or anything but like i don't remember it happening that much so i'm just maybe people up here aren't as responsible with their kids and they're like maybe. training their kids cuz like down there it was like no 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 you don't i don't yep it's a it's a thing for sure 
Um, okay. Other things, hmm. uh, another thing that came out, this actually, I guess we can kind of move into this yeah, no, get, uh, a, yeah. AB 220 bill. So this is an omnibus bill. It's like 40 pages. It aims to double Only down. Only 40 pages? That's nothing <laughs> for a bill. I scrolled through it and I gave up, if I'm really honest. It's just it's so long. <laughs> so here's here's where it landed or where, what they're hoping to pass. Uh, they aim to double down on deep municipal conservation. Legislators have been working on this before this deal was reached, which is cool. We, we again, we've been ahead of this, right, in our, our water conservation efforts. The bill would allow the water agency to curb excessive water use in times of emergency. It would give officials more oversight in approving development maps and create a voluntary compensation program to transition customers away from septic tanks. So, hey, if we learn from yep. the grass thing, we're, maybe we can learn from the septic tank thing. So that's already in this bill before this um, deal was even reached. It would also give the state more authority to regulate groundwater in the Las Vegas Valley, where there are more legal entitlements to use groundwater than there is to go around. Um, it also does more than cap water usage in times of shortage. So it would require the agency to be included in the local planning process for approving new subdivisions, making water more of a consideration. It would also give the state more authority to regulate groundwater overuse. I did read that they're also potentially considering a cutoff at 160,000 gallons a year uh, for residents. I'm not sure how they would do this. It sounds like, <laughs> what is it when they, uh, when they throttle your internet usage because you've used too much? It almost sounds like a throttling of water. So in- <laughs> like what? I turn on my, my shower full blast you and it's like drip, pressure. drip, drip, drip. I'm like, that, oh my God. I, I think that that would create more administrative overhead. Yeah. Than I don't know how they... Hear me out on this one. It wouldn't necessarily cause a lot of like, oh, how are you going to enforce it? It's the amount of complaints that would occur from customers that are like, why is my water not running right? Like they would have so much of that that Mm -hmm. their their customer service representative (laughs) lines would get overbogged like Envy Energy. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I think Envy Energy's customer service department has just been closed down. Yeah, I don't think so they over. even <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think they answer just, phone calls anymore. Yeah. So, so, yes. So all of these are, are being put into this omnibus bill. There are some opponents of AB 220 that claim that communities, they describe a little bit of a lack of trust right now when it comes to water authorities' conservation actions. Apparently after last year when the water authority hiked rates on large customers, a move frequently referenced in uh, the hearing that they they were listening to um, claims here from uh, constituents. Uh, In approving the rates... They said the agency had effectively imposed fees upon middle-class working families that threatens to collapse our urban tree canopy, create blight, and reduce property values in otherwise appealing areas 
within the valley. There isn't an urban <laughs> tree canopy. What is he talking about? <laughs> there's an urban grass can or no, there's an urban grass. What do you call the op what's the floor? Not the canopy, the like oh underbrush. Something like yeah. Yeah, um, there's a there's an underbrush. There is not a canopy. Yeah. God, like the, that's the whole thing. This bill would create a canopy, like yeah. actually, because it would require the replacing of grass with other terraria, be mm-hmm. it bushes, be it trees, be it something that takes less water and takes less of a water impact, but still creates the terraria and visually appealing environment that this guy wants to create. I'm sorry, but that's... Yeah, and... You can still water trees. Like it's no, no, honestly, you, it's grass. Tre- it's it, irrigation that it, is the the biggest offender in waste here. Well, but it, it's also like the water per square footage that's required. Mm-hmm. A, a tree just requires substantially less. Yes, you still water a tree. Yes, you still water a bush, but it's more concentrated. Yep. It's less per square. You can use less mm-hmm. water and still get there's the same runoff. effect. Yeah, yeah, there's less runoff. And that's why it's a terraria change, not a like, oh yeah, we're putting rocks in. It's like, no, no, no. You tear up the grass to put in you know, shrubbery. Yeah. We'll be so, the knights who say me. <laughs> nice. I, um, so I would consider myself middle class. I went, I pulled up my water history. Okay. Just to, to look through all of this. And I looked at my, my water bill for last year and I compared my water usage in gallons for uh, a peak month of watering uh, season when we, you know, we're watering our lawn and we, we have a decent size lawn, both uh, well, in the backyard anyways, a tiny one in the front. And then I compared it with the months that we don't water our lawn. And it was monthly, a 20,000 gallon difference in water usage. How often do you water your lawn? Like that's a, that's an important thing. To I don't want to implicate myself here because we okay. do have All water right. restrictions. But okay. currently co- we no, no, water no, no. at the I'll, legal I'll limit. I'll, <laughs> I was about to say I'll rephrase the question: How closely do you adhere to the water rules that have been put in place? Currently, I am being a good citizen and I water as guided, <laughs> which is three days a week, I believe. But you're, but you're watering also to guidance. You're not watering under guidance. And that's correct. That's one of those things that needs to be pointed out. There are some water conservatives. I don't even know what they'd be called. Some, some water conservationists. Conservationists? There we go. Um, AKA my cheap father. Who's Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm going to water one day. (laughs) Screw that. I'm not paying for more water. It's a waste of money. And like, he'll, he'll do something like that where he underwaters or he'll underwater like, two times a week at night for like 15 he'll just he'll go to the bare 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 minimum mm-hmm. so you're but you're it's real to, it, it's a lot it's a lot yeah. of water uh and so just I, I think it was beneficial to do it myself and to see how i am personally impacting this and i would challenge all of our listeners if you do happen to have uh your own lawn go look at your bill you know we we're with trucky Meadows Water Water Authority. Mm -hmm. But in Nevada, you know, we have, I think it's the Las Vegas Valley Water District. So everybody, if you're listening, go look back, look at your usage, maybe consider finding uh, 
conservation-friendly irrigation or yard designs. Yeah, yeah. spigots. Uh, yeah. You know, tear up that grass, put in some rock. Uh, do your ki- do your kids really need grass, or is it just the dogs? Like, let's I be real. Know. My I'm, my dogs aren't even allowed in the grass. See, this is why I feel like more and more of an asshole. Why aren't they allowed in the grass? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, I don't want them to pee in that expensive grass. <laughs> wow, that's free watering. That is free water. It doesn't work that like is, that. that is, I know, I know. I'm a chemist. I know that I'm making a false argument, but. It's fun to make the argument. Okay, AB 220, it's already passed in the Assembly. It is currently awaiting passage in the Senate once it has some amendments, so we will see where that lands. Three days. Yep. And now let's jump into Broke My Brain. Well, so we will come full circle, because it came back to a conversation I was having with someone where I posed the final thing that I kind of always end back on, which is our legislature needs to be full-time. It needs to be. And the immediate response, which was given back, which kind of broke my brain, was how do we pay for that? We don't have them enough. Like, there are... How do the other states pay for it? (laughs) But but hear me out, because this is how my brain actually got broken. Because it started with... there, And it didn't... This wasn't said, but it's where the conversation went, and it's a true point. There are political operatives that are not members of our state legislature or assembly because it is financially beneath them. Yep. And that, like, they would, like, the job title is okay, but it is a financial loss compared to what they could be making privately. So there is no reason for them to pursue it. The point that was raised to me is they're not even paid for the session as is. We cannot even afford to pay them as is. We have this budget fall. We can't pay for education correctly. We can't mm-hmm. get our roads up to fun, up to snuff. Like we can't seem to get the money within our state. And this is why my brain ends up being broken because the answer is we have to innovate in a in a in a crazy way, in a way that is beyond anything that has, because we are actually last in the country in every single category, and that's why we're struggling so bad, is because we are last. And what gets us at last, other than we have to think outside of that last mentality, but to everyone's point, where are we going to get the money? That means that we have... that's where we have to start doing some crazy interrogation. (laughs) It's beyond just an income tax. We got to do a mining tax. We got to adjust our actual constitution and allow ourselves to put more than a 3% tax on our mining corporations. We have lithium that's going to be coming out of our state because guess what? We're one of the only places in the country that has lithium in it, and our country wants to pioneer electric vehicles. So they're trying to open up, I heard somewhere of 40 different lithium deposits within our state. I don't know how many mines that equates to, but if there are 40 different deposits that we could then be taxing, that is a huge amount of income that we could actually bring into our state. The only problem is, is that no state leader wants to put that forward because it would be political suicide because the mining industry would bury them so quickly because the mining industry doesn't want their fun or their, we their just increased the mining into. tax. So 
uh, last we did, year. But it, it, we did, but it's not to the substantial point. It's up to like 5% now. <laughs> it was Their under the mar- table because we wanted to tax the gaming industry. And they did a backdoor deal of just increasing the mining tax. And, well, and we need to be taxing Instead, them too. It's yes, one of those we things do. where like, uh, we need to be looking at all this corporate greed. And I'm sorry, but we yep. need to be going after these corporations and these companies and these businesses that are making millions and billions of dollars every single year and yet saying oh well we can't afford to pay taxes it would you know we'd have to we'd have to let our 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 lowest workers go we'd have to let our lowest 10 percent go if we if we were taxed that much because we just if couldn't we afford can it find and the funds to bring a football team a hockey team a baseball team. Why can't we find the funds to pay for education, to pay for health care, to bring down is, housing prices? This is why my brain is broken, because everything that you, re- you just said are things that we need to be putting this money for. And I'm just simply saying that we need to pay our the leaders doing these laws more. And yet we can't even find the money for that, let alone education. Like these are the people that we're in a system that is literally greedy. And the reason why we don't have term limits on Congress is because it would be Congress who has to pass the term limits and they're never going to harm themselves on that same point. Congress just secretly passed a pay raise for themselves, or at least the assembly did. And it's one of those things where it would make sense for our legislature to, put a bill forward to pay themselves more because it's a net it's a net benefit to literally everyone. everyone who would be passing it everyone but they can't afford it and that's the <laughs> conundrum and that's the thing where i'm like wait holy shit that's not wrong like mm-hmm. no one's posed that point to me yet and that's why my brain is broken yeah it makes it, it makes every sense for every single legislature the democrats the republicans the independents the green part like every single one mm-hmm. of them to say well yeah i want more money I want to be paid for 80 days instead of 60 and every single one of them would pass it. But then there's the question of like, okay, well, how would my voters feel about it? Well, okay, they might support it, but then. We get a different electorate, right? So what you're saying, it, it, it makes sense because if (laughs) we would not have to rely on people running for office who are either retired or independently wealthy, right? They're already rich or they don't have to work. And so, yes, yes. (laughs) But does, does the, uh, does the elector or does the people voting do the people casting the votes want to pay their elected officials more? And I'm saying that question in that way, because Mm -hmm. that's how it would be posed to Mm -hmm. the voter. It's not a matter of like, should our legislatures be paid for the time they're working? Because you and I both agree that they should. Mm-hmm. And if it's posed to a voter in that way and you say, hey, do you think they should at least be paid for the time they work? Not even giving them a huge increase, not even saying, oh, we need to go to a full-time session. But do you think that they should be paid for the time that they are worked? Like just just that. Voters would agree with that statement. Probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe 50 to 60%. There needs to be a, a whole m- an, a movement of educating and that and that's the problem of the we community. haven't had that type of movement since the 60s because we haven't had a legislature who not only cared enough but like that was their whole thing well it just and they can't come from them of power it can't it can't come from them right it, it has to be an independent grassroots movement of sorts to be able to 
take a message like that and and why, right, and educate voters on why it would benefit them to pay their legislators more you, to give a longer spe- session. You're specifically talking about something that I have avoided simply because of my own personal time frame. But Nevada has that specific mechanism written into our constitution and our legal mechanism to allow that. It's through a citizen position petition where if mm-hmm. we go out and we get enough mm-hmm. signatures on a ballot on the petition, guess what? We can do a ballot initiative and yep. it would pass two times and we could actually get it to where our legislators are being paid full time. But guess what? We have to get that ballot initiative paid somehow. The budget office would have to go through some stuff. The fiscal office would go through some stuff. There's signature like, hurdles it, initially and then we figure that there, out. Yeah, there's a million different hurdles that we'd have to do. And the reason why I'm saying I'm avoiding this is because just to get past the signature hurdle, it's a two to four year process and I ain't got that time. <laughs> Well, shit. Let's find some cool people who want to drive that. Yeah, we gotta find some people who've got who've got that time, who are willing to do it, and who are willing to look past the how do we fund it and just Mm -hmm. let's get it put there first, and then we worry about the funding. Yeah, we gotta figure it out. The problem is, is that everyone who's seemed to be involved in politics stop at the, but how will we fund it? And that's the biggest turnoff for a lot of younger people because the younger people are like, who cares? Print the, print the damn money. We're already embracing inflation. So just keep printing it. But I digress on that one. That that's Tis a brain breaker. Yeah. Cause I, I just, I know we need to innovate in beyond unique ways as Nevada, but I don't know what those ways are. Yeah. And I'd say that's the light hardest <laughs> break my brain I've had in a couple of weeks. Okay. Like it's a pretty good one, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm confused. I've got one. I've got one. Here's my broke my brain. I got to give my wife credit because she told me I never give her enough credit. <laughs> she gives me a lot of my break my brains. Uh, she's very politically uh, aware and she sends me a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh my God. Okay, so this is what she's shared with me. It was a Politico article. Apparently, Speaker Kevin McCarthy paused an important meeting to hold an auction, I think yesterday, for his used chapstick. The used chapstick sold for $100,000. The funds supposedly go towards the National Republican Congressional Committee, which is fine. Use your money for what you need it. But apparently, after McCarthy agreed to attend a dinner with the winner and whichever donors and supporters they plan to bring along, the chapstick was then purchased by that $100,000 bid by none other than Marjorie Taylor Greene. So here's the deal. Several, several things broke my brain here, and I'm going to go ahead and list them off real quick. First, I discovered that I, too, used cherry chapstick that Senator McCarthy uses, and now I need to pursue a new brand. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that, okay, uh, an aside, but the fact that you're using cherry chapstick alone makes me, like, question a lot of things, because that, to me, is, like... I don't mind it. It's fine. Okay, second broke my brain part of this. How can I make $100,000 off of selling a used chapstick? Third. Um, I'm not going to answer that question because (laughs) although we might be rated as explicit. um, It's a trap. 
Don't do it. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those bigger traps where there are a lot of ways that <laughs> you or I, I mean, maybe more probably you, less I, but like you, either of us could make large sums of money doing simple things like that because it's been documented historically that like people will buy anything on the internet. So like you might not make a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand dollars all at once. Like this guy did right away. But like there, there are a lot of ways you can make a hundred thousand dollars on the internet. That's all I'm going to say. That brings me to my third point. Is this all Republicans have to do to make money? It, it's kind of mind blowing because they want to cut all spending other than defense spending, but will happily pay $100,000 for used chapstick. The fourth thing and how this broke my brain. Look, if Marjorie Taylor Greene just wants to have dinner with Kevin McCarthy, she should just ask him. You know what I'm saying? Like, avoid paying $100,000 uh, uh, and not have somebody else use somebody else's used chapstick. So... I I hate that this is where my mind has gone, mm-hmm. but it's only gone here because I've become more politically savvy over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and I'm rewatching a political satire show that I have that I enjoy from time to time, and the amount of however much this is a political a show of political satire, the accuracy of the show is it is, Veep. No. Oh, I love that show. It is an Amazon Prime exclusive that only happened for two seasons because it was cut. It's called Alpha House. Oh, okay. And knowing what I know of politics now, the show is scary accurate. Oh, interesting. There are things like this auction in that show. Oh, yeah. I believe Where, like, donors buy lunches with senators that's a thing that happens. Like, yeah, okay, it's not Marjorie Taylor Greene. But on the flip side, the show happens during the Tea Party rise of the GOP mm. during that era in 2014, 2015. And it, it heavily references a lot of just how the GOP was an inner intersection in that overall party. Mm. Marjorie Taylor Greene is an intersection in the overall Republican Party right now. I guarantee you, if she asked for a lunch with Kevin McCarthy, he would say... No, because she wouldn't even be able to talk with him. She'd only be able to get in contact with someone in his office and his office would be like, oh, oh, sorry, he's busy. And she wouldn't be able to get the get the actual meal. The closest that she'd be able to get was yelling at him either in the hallway when she saw him or like on the floor during one of those large meetings where everyone's kind of there. Her her interactions with him are probably far more limited because he is in leadership and he's doing so much and she is a fringe representative of that faction of that party. Yes, so although this is very I know, yes. Like I that hate that it, very it, it's brain breaking because Tim. everything you've said is <laughs> it is kind of troubling, but at the same time I'm like, but it happens and this I is know. It's this politics. is Washington, it's which politics. is it's horrible. I get and it's it. like people are like, why is this a thing? And I'm like, ah well, it's because Democrats wouldn't pay that much for the chapstick. They'd probably only pay like 10 grand and they'd and probably they'd st- actually have lunch with each other if i'm honest i mean it, to some this, degree this lunch might actually happen it won't happen for long because it will end <laughs> in a yelling match but like it would it would both happen the, the democratic one would probably also happen i don't know it'd be like I'm okay i'm to th- gonna make my yeah. last point here and yeah, we're gonna yeah. wrap you, this you, up. Know, you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> You're not Politi- wrong, okay? Politics is very fun. But let me have my satirical <laughs> moment here. 
Okay. So the last point that has nothing to do with politics, but just, I guess, hygiene. Who shares chapstick? I thought that's how you possibly get fever blisters. Her AKA herpes on the mouth and everybody just do your part and stay away from I missed that. that part of the story. Um, that's <laughs> weird that the chapstick is being shared. It was used. Um, like the Carmex that like are the little tubs that like you put your finger in first and that like that I'm okay with, but like. I searched the internet to see a picture of it. There wasn't one. I, I, I know it's, it's, it's probably like a literal like tube of chapstick that's like probably yeah it's is it that actual brand <laughs> i think or, it is ah yeah 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 because I, I would assume it's like some special i'm wrap, holding up like, my chapstick <laughs> house of represent you know that's got to be the screenshot for this episode is you just holding Ooh, up the chapstick yeah, I will, like, I will. <laughs> you've already got the thumbnail there you go uh yeah i don't all right you gotta go to burt's bee come on it's the thing <laughs> It's like the beeswax, the bees' knees. Yeah, I do have Burt's Bees, but I don't like their original flavor. So if I happen to stumble upon other Burt's Bees flavors, I go there. They they do make them. I know these are just easily accessible. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're rare, and that's the problem because the Burt's Bee flavors you got to go to like. I don't know. I don't. I don't use chapstick. (laughs) I can't leave home without it. Okay, Tim, wrap us up. All right, so. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're rolling into this this outro heavy. So, this this week we talked about water. Next week we're gonna be probably talking about the wrap up. Let's just be real. We got three days until the next deadline, so mm. that means that reporters this week are gonna be pulling their hair out left, right, and sideways. So. Next week, we'll have plenty to talk about in the legislative session. Mm-hmm. We've got 13 days until it's all over, so we'll be talking about that eventually. Um, other than that, we'll try and get some more interviews scheduled here or there. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that will be, but when it is, it'll be fun. We're on uh, Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find us on both. What's the email for suggestions? Hello at nvpoliticspodcast.com Send us your suggestions. We might read them. We might not. I think we do. We might not actually address them, though. Uh, but hey, we try. Maybe we'll do a whole like fan suggestion episode where they just write stuff in and we just talk about that. That'd be fun. Who knows? Maybe down the route. Um, oh, God. There was something else I have to say. In the- oh, like, subscribe, comment. I don't... Uh, rate us. Rate us. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Do all of that, please. Um, come back next week. Different topics, same place, same fun stuff. See you next week. See you then. Bye. Bye.